Still got nerves from last night. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Half Court and Midrange. I'm Court. I'm Ray. Uh, and today we're coming at you uh, with a recap of the NBA playoffs first round. We made some predictions last episode, and this time we're going to go over those predictions, talk a little bit about each of the series, and then we're going to make some predictions for the second round uh, and talk a little bit about those going forward. <laughs> First round has not ended yet, actually, at the time of recording. I believe that the Game 7 between the Clippers and Jazz is just about starting now, or maybe has already started. Uh, But weirdly enough, the second round um, already has started. Um, But we just want to uh, make it clear that these predictions were made before um, Game 1 between the Celtics and the Wizards. This is totally legit. Totally legit, even though we... Yeah, even though it might seem like we had some inside knowledge based on how good we were at predicting. Yes, and we could go back to the Google Docs submissions. Um, If you need an accounting, we can go back and prove it. Yeah, it's um, totally audited and stuff. Yeah, McKenzie. We know some, you can just call Google. Ernst & Young. Call Google on the phone. and (laughs) Tell them to get you off the internet and to check Court and Ray. Check Court and Ray and Joel, that guy, you know. Sherman. (laughs) <laughs> all right so you want to start off with these uh first round series here and predictions ray yeah so we so seven of the series have concluded as court mentioned uh we got all of those predictions right which might sound good in terms of who would win the series but the winners the sorry the favorites won each series so that is uh not too surprising and our predictions were um, not too bold, but ended up being accurate. Uh, the Jazz and Clippers are still playing. Both both Court and I predicted uh, the Clippers to win that. Uh, and if they win, then I would have gotten the games right as well. Um, and then Joel predicted the Jazz to win in seven, so he could still he could still win that. Which leads us to Joel's overall dominance in game predictions. He's already gotten four of the series right in terms of predicting the right game length. Um, which proves that Joel is the worst. When you say game length, you mean length number of games in the series, right? Yeah. Because we I, all could have maybe predicted. I mean, there was the Spurs one that went to overtime, but most of the games are going to be 48 minutes long. Maybe for this podcast, we should just predict the game length for every, for every game. Um, 48, 48, 53, 48. 58. Um, that would be fun. Um, but yes, the number of games that it took uh, for the winning team to win the series. Joel is so far four out of seven, and if the Jazz win tonight, he will be five out of eight. Wow, um, which is pretty good. I got I only got two right. Uh, if the Clippers win tonight, then I will get three out of eight. That's not bad. Uh, how how did I do on game length series game length? Uh, Cortland got zero of them uh, correct, which if, I think is kind of impressive to be able to get the actual winners of the series right, but to get none of the game lengths right. You I know? think so too, Ray. Yeah. I think so too. Thanks yeah. for that. I needed that little affirmation. <laughs> uh, it, also, I'm guaranteed. I picked the Clippers 
uh, for the game that's going on right now. If they win, I picked them in six, so I'm guaranteed to get that one lengthwise <laughs> wrong as well. Uh, <laughs> so I could get all the Just games. Sure. I could get all the winners correct, which were pretty, like we said before, not very bold predictions because um, yeah. I just picked favorites all the way, but then managed to <laughs> managed to screw up the number of games for each one. Yes. Um, but we'll talk about when we do the little recap. We can kind of see why I thought one team was stronger, less strong than they actually ended up being. Yeah, for sure. Um, so yeah, with that in mind, let's just do a let's just do a quick recap of what happened, and if anything jumps out, we can kind of shout it out. All right, which um, series are we going to start with here? Let's start with the the Wiz and the Hawks. Um, this was probably the least aesthetically pleasing series in my opinion um there's a lot of fouling there were not there's the hawk uh, the wizards have some really good players and the hawks have paul Millsap, but it was kind of ugly basketball um we had both predicted the wizards in five the wizards ended up winning in six as joel had predicted joel um so yes that was uh that yeah, what do you any thoughts on that series court? I actually don't have a whole lot of thoughts on this mm-hmm. series. Uh however it lined up on being able to watch it on Watch ESPN, it yes. didn't line up well. Yeah, and um, I think that was intentional by the um ESPN's part. <laughs> <laughs> I think they put it on the uh that was I think they were probably the yeah, the games that people were generally the least interested in. The Hawks have notoriously been um put on NBA TV and uh lesser cable channels i guess in this case tnt right yeah they're not um they're not a high national draw as far as excitement goes yeah or even like nobody ever talks about them you know what i mean you like run into somebody at the office they're not like oh man what about paul Millsap and the hawks yes yes (laughs) the sixers bloggers actually um so this year for the eastern conference all-star team for the last couple of spots paul Millsap, uh a very good hawks player was in consideration for one of them, and he was competing with Joel Embiid. Um, Paul Millsap was ultimately selected to the All Star team, um, and arguably he's a better player. Actually, I don't know. Regardless, he played more basketball than Joel Embiid did before the All Star game. the The pick was justifiable, and uh, but it, basically, these Sixers bloggers were upset, and I think it would have been much more exciting if Embiid had been in it. And they started a who is Paul Millsap campaign campaign pretending that they didn't know who Paul Millsap was, which I appreciate it. Yeah. Um, Could, um, do you, how many of our listeners do you think know who Paul Millsap is? Probably a lot of them to be honest, but I would say less, uh, I would say around 50%. Okay. Yeah. I don't, yeah. Although I'm not as confident that I know our listener, uh, ship that well. Yeah. I'm not really sure about our, who exactly is in our listenership, yeah. but I think maybe if you want to send us uh, maybe an email or tweet at us, like who, maybe what Paul, who or what Paul Millsap means to you. Yes, I think that's great. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and we, we can read the best answer on the next podcast. Yeah. I agreed. Um, or all the answers, maybe, if there's not too many. Which yes, probably. Very we, well could. we could probably read all of them pretty easily. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think the other just big takeaway from that series, John Wall was awesome um i don't think i've given him due credit for being as good as he is and he is just uh just so athletic and fast and he really dominated the series um and yeah i think going into a series with the celtics now 
Um, Court and I actually just watched a lot of game one, which the Celtics won pretty handedly. Um, spoiler alert. Yeah, spoiler alert. <laughs> For those of you listening in the past. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, but to compare him to a player like Isaiah Thomas, he's, you know, Isaiah Thomas probably, most people would say he had a better regular season, but John Wall is just such a, I mean, better all around basketball player and he's much less of a defensive liability and if he actually goes hard he can be a pretty good defensive player uh, where Isaiah doesn't really have that gear Um, and they're different offensive players but all around I just think John Wall is clearly a superior player and uh, excited to see how that turns out in round two yeah for sure that's a he's a certainly a player to keep your eyes on some fun stuff he had a real nice pass in that game he did have a real nice pass. Probably several, but one that was stood out. Gray reacted to it verbally. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, why did we... Okay, so we both picked Wizards in five in this one. Let's just do a little quick. Like, why did they only... How come it took them six games? Like, what's the deal? The Hawks were pretty think, bad, right? Like, the Hawks yeah, were... Yeah, the Hawks are pretty bad. Theoretically think, worse than the Pelicans. Yeah, Gortat played pretty poorly. Um... So I think that was a big part of it. Um, yeah, I really think, and their bench is just not, the Wizards bench is just not that good. And I guess the Hawks are kind of scrappy enough. Dennis Schroeder played really well for the Hawks. Mm. Um, and Paul, Paul Millsap played really well. He's very good. Yeah. There you go. So he means a lot to a lot of our listeners. <laughs> All right. Um, but yeah, probably he- the series with the most intrigue in the first round was Raptors versus Bucks. Uh which the Raptors ended up winning in six games, mm. um, but not without a scare from Giannis Antetokounmpo. Nice. How was that pronunciation? That was amazing. Oh, that was so fast. Yeah. You said it like as if you were naturally Greek. I think if you don't know how to say something, saying it faster is kind of, you know, the safe, it's a conservative play. Yeah. Because if nothing else, Giannis maybe they just won't hear you. <laughs> yeah. It reminds me of a joke I heard recently, but I'm not going to repeat it now. It's okay. very good. <laughs> Something about timing. Yeah. Um, so, um, how how did Malcolm Brogdon look in this series? Uh, I think he had one good game, and the rest of it, he, I, I, you know, to be honest, I didn't like see a whole lot of the games. Like in, I, I like read a lot of recaps and whatnot, mm-hmm. and he wasn't like mentioned highly. I can't tell, like you were talking about Jason Kidd's sort of like substitution patterns and whatnot. And maybe like Jason Kidd sort of like lost some confidence in him after they like, they were up two to one and it seemed like he was fine with him there. I don't know if his minutes actually went down after that, but I feel like maybe they went down a little bit or like Mm -hmm. just a tiny bit. And it seemed like he was like, Oh, well now we're losing. I got to go with the veteran players. Yeah. I think that's, I think that's right. I think they went on some runs and Jason Kidd likes to stick with those lineups. Um, and that might have worked against Brogdon. Um, but yeah. I mean, he probably did his job in that series, you know. I did see one play where where DeRozan just like dunked on him or something. That kind of sucked. But yeah, <laughs> it wasn't like totally his fault either, though. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think that's... it'll. The Raptors ended up playing... I think they lost the first two games of the series. And they ended up playing pretty well afterwards in general 
I think it was one. They went up one zero, and then Bucks oh, right. won two in a row okay, that's, to that's go up two right. one. And people were like, "Oh man, Giannis like crushing it." Yeah, like Raptors don't know what's going on, and that like it was going to be another game in Milwaukee, and so people were like all right. ready for it to be three to one, and like right. Raptors suck in the playoffs. Like, yeah. That kind of narrative. And DeRozan had that game where he didn't hit a field goal. He was yes. like over twelve or something. That's not good. Where yeah. I saw the low light reel from that. Which like, you know, it's kind of these like shots that he always takes, sort of like the you know, fadeaway stuff. And usually he can hit enough of those where it's like that's his game. But yeah. when it's off, it's pretty ugly. Yeah. It's like this dude is just he looks like the guy who yells Kobe when he's shooting in your pickup game and just bricks everything. Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, so, yeah, I think there's, I, I guess with going into round two, I think the Raptors on paper and in the regular season would be the, the you know, best team in the East that could challenge the Cavs. Um, but they continued to, even though they ended well, they continue to be kind of underwhelming in the playoffs. So I think I'm just interested to see how well they can play against the Cavs. I think they have the talent and the versatility to give the Cavs a fight in round two. Yeah. Um, but it's a matter of whether or not they play up to that potential in the playoffs or if they continue to underwhelm. But, right. Yeah. But, you know. They, they they definitely wrapped up the series against the Bucks like a good team ought to. So, mm-hmm. so and that. shout out to Malcolm Brogdon for being one of the rookie of the year candidates that we discussed that actually per, uh, played and participated in this playoffs. True, true. Um, true. And tried to win every game you know that he played because <laughs> you should always be trying to win games that you play. Yeah, um, I totally agree. I'm totally with you there. Uh, it's the morally correct choice. um i think we can move on to two series probably that we can kind of take in one uh two sweeps the cavaliers swept the pacers in four games and the warriors slept the actually the Cavs and pacers i just want to say something look at okay so our predictions here you had Cavs in five i had Cavs in six they swept the pacers but the um combined margin of victory wasn't it 12 points for the four games, yeah, I think it was twelve or or eighteen or sixteen. It was in that neighborhood, yeah, um, which like set the record for lowest margin of victory in a sweep. Yes, um, yes, which which I think is telling. And Paul George played awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think that is that is telling. And I don't know how much of it is the Cavaliers <laughs> playing cavalier if you will Mm. uh and either just like not you know pushing the accelerator all the way or in a couple of the games they let the pacers come back um and one game then they caught up by like a 25 point deficit or something crazy um so i wonder if the cap the cavaliers were just playing well enough to win or if like they were actually trying really hard and the Pacers were able to hang in there you know yeah it seems like this whole season or even last season it's kind of like LeBron's way to go is like you know make sure you give enough effort to like just win you know don't like try to like set any sort of like regular season win records not Mm -hmm. that they would have been able to do that as that team but Mm -hmm. yeah just like when it matters you can he can turn it on 
And so he's like, all right, when it matters in crunch time in these games, I'll just turn it on and win and hope that CJ Miles misses a game-winning shot or something like that. You know, like with a couple lucky bounces in, in a couple of those games, then I might have not been too bad for saying six games. Yeah, for- no, I think that's reasonable. I also think, I also think just to expect that the Cavaliers, they lay some eggs, you know, that's yeah. kind of what they do nowadays. So it's not, even if they're, you know, enough better, you know, superior to a team that like a sweep is a reasonable prediction. It's kind of like, well, they're probably just going to not play that well some, some games because that's what they do. Right. You know, so. Um, Agreed. Uh, but I think this means that I think LeBron has won like 18 or 19 consecutive first round playoff games or something like that. That's pretty good. Um, so, <laughs> yeah, that's pretty that's pretty wild. Um, but yeah, I think I don't think we learned much about the Cavaliers going into the rest of the play. I think the big question is how much they're going to be able to improve their defense, and I don't I don't think that these games suggested that they can or that they can't um you know i think it was more of a continuation of the regular season like kind of coasting you think the second round series versus the raptors will answer a few more questions i think even if they win like they'll at least be tested a little more and you can say like oh i think there's i think it could i think the raptors if the raptors come out and play well then i think the Cavs will have to show something on the defensive end to win, um, and then we'll be like, okay, yeah. But I think they, I think the Raptors could come out and totally be, you know, garbage. Right. Um, I could see Lowry and DeRozan not being that good, and um, if they're not generating a lot of offense, then this team isn't that good. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but if if Lowry and DeRozan come out and they're playing really well, the Cavs will have to step it up. So we shall see. Um, Speaking of Robin Lopez, the Celtics and the Bulls. Oh yeah. Um they play this was a the the Bulls, so we had I picked the Celtics in seven. Uh Court picked the Celtics in five, and Joel, the worst, picked the Celtics in six and was right. Yeah, he knew. He knew. Um and yeah, this was this was a really bizarre series because going into the playoffs, the Bulls just were a mess they have one really good player jimmy butler and a whole bunch of bad point guards and Dwayne wade who doesn't really fit um and they somehow won did they win the first they won the first two games i think they did yeah yeah. if you recall i feel like you were pretty pretty confident with your mocking of the celtics after those first two games i think specifically i gave the Celtics between a 20 and a 25% chance to win the series. I was making fun of them a lot. Yeah. Um, and I think they were failing in, they were failing in the, they were failing in ways that they could predictably fail. Um, so they were getting killed. They're not a good rebounding team. They're getting killed on the boards. Robin Lopez looked like 2001 Shaq. Um, <laughs> and, uh, that's a good thing for our listeners um in their, uh so with that in mind it's like this team if chicago is constructed to exploit their weaknesses and they're doing so and ostensibly the celtics are doing what they can to combat that and it's not working 
then that's like a bad sign for their their prospects. Um, and interesting enough, Rajon Rondo, who has not been good the last couple of years, was playing incredibly, and that was had a lot to do with the Bulls winning those two games. And then he broke his thumb, mm. and I still probably you know the Bulls are uh, the, the Bulls are definitely a worse team even with Rondo being decent. Um, so I think if he played, probably the Celtics still win. But it's weird that that was kind of the turning point, though. It is considering weird. the history and whatnot. Yeah, and he's Rajon Rondo has been kind of the you know a whipping boy for the NBA intelligence. He is like this guy that used to be good, and people still think is good. And dumb teams like the Kings pay, and dumb teams like the Bulls pay when like they obviously don't need another point guard who can't shoot. Um, and he was really bad. And so it it was very really strange to have him come up and just be a really good all around player for them. Yeah. So, and of course against his former team, the Celtics. So storylines, baby, storylines. Yeah. Uh, we'll give a little podcast shout out to Edward Ridgely for his bold prediction. Oh yes. Uh, yeah. After point. they were down two to zero, he he posted in the bold predictions thread on our on one of our email groups uh, that the Celtics were going to win that series. So way to go, Edward. Way and to be bold. St- and stay tuned for the um, podcast MVP of the week, which is yet to be announced. Oh, yeah, right. <laughs> it's a weekly award. I don't know who won it in some of these weeks. Some people laid some claims to it, but we'll yeah. you know we'll leave that one to, the, to your imagination. Yeah. Um, All right. What other series here? So we just got through the East. Um we could probably go a little bit faster. Um, when we can knock out quick Warriors, Warriors versus Trailblazers, the Warriors just absolutely destroyed the Trailblazers. Oof. I probably shouldn't have com- compared that to the Cavs series because, as Court mentioned, the games were actually pretty close in the Cavs series, yeah. whereas they were not in this series. The one game I actually watched of this one was the game three, I believe, where uh, Kerr was out uh, as coach because he was dealing with the illness thing, and um, Durant was out. And they were like down a lot to the Blazers and it was like the third quarter or something. And I was watching for a bit and the Warriors just started a run and they hadn't even gotten back to like within 10. But I was just like, uh, I can't watch. They're just going to come back and win it. And yeah. of course they like came back and won it yeah. just like pretty easily. And you're just like, well, there you go. I picked. So that was why I picked uh, not a sweep was because I thought they would just have one like kind of cold shooting night. And it seemed that way until that point in the game, they had just like, you know, been missing shots, getting unlucky with some of the, them falling, but then they just destroyed. And maybe against a better team than Portland. Like, they might have paid more for that, especially with Durant out, but oof. <laughs> yeah. Steamrolled. Yeah. And this will be a... I think... I think this I think this Warriors team might be the best team ever, so I think... They're a very I, good team. I think uh, just their combination of Obviously, offensive firepower with Steph is Steph is really, really playing well right now. He actually he was great this season, but not like his peak Steph, like crazy shooting percentage um, on high volume. And uh, he's kind of amped that back up. And now he's he's just in the zone. And if Durant is healthy and, you know, sweeping allowed him to rest, which is big. Of course, Clay continues to be an excellent shooter and just. Draymond is an unbelievable defensive player. He just had these plays that 
Yeah, what was that one where he like tracked back, like he switched over and then blocked the dude? Yeah, there was, was like a two this crazy on two on one fast break, and Noah Vonley ended it with the ball and just tried to yam and on him like really hard. And Draymond switching off the other guy goes to goes up to challenge a shot and just like double hand stuffs it back in Vonley. Yeah. With like Vonley had like all of his weight into it. It just takes such strength and balance and And from crazy. switching, like he Yeah. He read it exactly when the other dude was gonna pass it to him and like yeah. switched over. It's incredible. And um, like, you know, it's really hard to stop a two on one. Yeah. Because like, they can just we read until you come, you know, either you come at the one guy and they pass it to the other dude, right? Yeah. Or you just don't go on them and then they shoot and that's yes. score too. Like, it's yeah. really hard to time it that way to, like, go get in their mind, kind of. Yeah. There was another play I saw highlighted where he ended up guarding every player on Portland on one play because uh, of, like, switches and stuff. Nice. And then, like, I think it was a rebound or something. And then they, like, the way they swung it around, he ended up, like, you know at least like guarding for a few moments every yes. player yes which is impressive to be able to stay in front of the fast guys and be big enough and strong enough against some of the bigger guys yes um yeah and him combined with durant i mean basically all their guys uh, are really versatile on defense but particularly him and durant the way they can switch um and just so switching refers specifically to pick and roll pick and roll is kind of the most very basic play uh where one guy sets a screen and tries to run um tries to get in the way of the defender who's defending the guy with the ball um and then generally speaking the team either has to like the defender has to try to get around the screen which is hard to do um or bring help from another position or what is the most popular thing to do in the NBA now if you have the type of players that can do it is just a switch and say okay my guys, you know, the guy who was guarding me got screened. And so the guy who was guarding the screener now guards me. Um, if you can switch, you know, the, the idea with the pick and roll is your, you know, the, the reason the switch usually doesn't work is because you have like a big guy um, who's screening and you switch, he, you know, if you switch and then you have this little guy on this big guy, the little guy's a lot faster. Um, Draymond and Durant are quick enough and long enough to switch on most players even if it's not ideal um all that to say those two guys have this defensive versatility that's kind of perfect in the nba right now because the pick and roll is how most teams generate offense um so they can switch and then they can block shots at the rim um, and do lots of little things get steals and they're just kind of dynamite it's, yeah, uh, it's impressive to watch. In pickup basketball, pick and Joel is how I generate offense. Oh, yeah. And that I hope that Joel is on my team. <laughs> then yes. let him shoot a lot. <laughs> yes, that's the that's that's the current um prevailing strategy on yeah. the uh New Orleans playgrounds when that's, Joel's in town. That's the meta game right now. It's yeah. Hope for Joel on your team. It's been not working out well recently for me because he lives in St. Louis. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I've been hard hard times without him as far yeah. as offense goes. Yeah. And we have um, breaking news. Um, oh, yeah. We're going to take a little break here from first round here and go into a little uh, alternate sport update. Um, yes. Yeah, so, so Court, um, can you tell us about what's happening in the defense of the ancients to world? 
Uh, it looks okay. So there's a big tournament going on this weekend. There's four major tournaments per year, if I'm getting this correct, which I probably, I might be getting right. Um, it's kind of a new it, it, with these esports as they're called or video games as other people call them. Uh, they're pretty fast and loose with um, smokeless sports. Smokeless sports. Well, they're yeah. Well. <laughs> <laughs> They're they're pretty fast and loose here with these like which tournaments matter and whatnot. But the the company that makes the game organizes like they're trying to make it so there's four big tournaments per year, and this is one of them. And they held it in Eastern Europe for the first time. They're actually holding it in Kiev, Ukraine, and that was this weekend. And it looks like the championship game just concluded, um, and the team OG based out of the Western Europe region, defeated Team Virtus Pro out of the Eastern European region uh, by a series score of 3-2. to two. So it was actually, while we were talking here, a very exciting uh, video game matchup being played uh, that Ray was keeping eyes on. Yes. Um, yeah. So yeah, similarities between Dota 2 and basketball. It's 5-on-5. Five five. Yep. Um, there are... They're creeps. <laughs> there are creeps. There creeps uh, really everywhere. Yeah. Yeah, that's life. You have to draft people occasionally. Uh-huh. Yeah, uh-huh. that's similar. Um there there's are sort kind of, of there's kind of like a ba- there kind of, it seems like they're kind of baskets in the you you know, there's there's each each uh team defends a, a side and attacks a side. It's directional, yeah. Yeah. It's directional. Um there are different positions. Mm-hmm. Uh so like there's in basketball, obviously, like guards and forwards and big guys, and in Dota, there's like the people that support the carries and the carries mm-hmm. that like are weak at the beginning but get good at the end of the game that end up winning the game for you. Mm-hmm. So, so Joe Johnson is one of the guys at the end of the game. ISO Joe, I don't know how you would compare. There was a funny segment that was like another comparison. Jeremy Lin, a mm-hmm. player for the Brooklyn Nets, ostensibly a basketball team. Uh, <laughs> Own, has an ownership stake in one of the teams that played in this tournament and Jeremy Lin's team. There were 16 teams in this tournament. Jeremy Lin's team made it to the second round. So top eight finish. Uh, it's fine. Um, but there was a segment actually, I think on ESPN that I saw where Jeremy Lin was comparing players in the NBA to characters or heroes as they're called from the video game Dota 2. And it was, he, I don't know, he just wasn't very good at it, in my opinion. <laughs> like, his picks made no sense. <laughs> so check that out if you're into Jeremy Lin. There's the MVP. Jo- Johan Sunstein is the MVP of the championship match. All right. What um, hero was he playing? Uh, I can't read it. Uh, can you tell? Yeah, it looks like he was on the timber saw. Okay, and I believe his like in-game name is No Tail. Does it say No Tail on there? No Tail. Yeah, um, um, he looks like he's twelve years old. He is. He is noted. Uh, has a noted youthful appearance. He is yeah. definitely no older than twenty-two. I believe. Okay. Okay. That is a strange thing about these video games is based on your like reflexes and stuff. Like, yeah. most people by the time you get to be like twenty-five or something, you're like no longer like good, like because your reflexes have waned or something. Yeah. Um, so there are a few players that still like play around that are like considered old veterans of, it's also like a pretty new video game. So like there can't be that many, you know, super old, you, you know, 
it doesn't help to be that old because you couldn't have been playing it for a very long time because it didn't exist back in the day. Yeah. But like the old people are considered like 28 year olds. So Ray and I would be like ancient in yeah. defense of the ancients. An- ancient ancients. Yeah. Um, yeah. Actually, as we were watching, we, Court and I were watching this at halftime of the Celtics Wizards game. And even though I don't really have any desire to play Dota 2, um, when you were talking about the reflexes of younger people being greater, uh, there's there's still like a bit of sadness. Like I've passed that time in my life where I could have been good at Dota 2. You know what I mean? It's one of those things where like there's there's different things where you can at one, you can very much like confidently say you have no interest in it. And then two, still kind of be sad that like it's passed you by. Yeah. You know? I can imagine. <laughs> <This>, well, <laughs> I can imagine like a really old person that didn't have children being like that had really like no interest, maybe uh-huh. or something, being like, "Man, like I didn't want that, but like I don't even have the option anymore," or something yeah. like that. Yeah, yeah. Or that's probably not the best example, but yeah, it's probably a lot of joy for you that you can't play Dota two or like yeah, it never is. got into it. It is uh, probably only a bunch of sadness there. Yes. Anyway, we might the the other overlap here is the um the big championship is this summer for Dota 2. That's like it's called the International and that's like the grand. It's like the Super Bowl of Dota or like the NBA Finals of Dota and it's always held in the Key Arena in Seattle cuz the Sonics don't play in Seattle anymore. And so now uh Key Arena is mostly known for uh the championships of video games. Mm-hmm. Um so you're saying it's going to move to Oklahoma City? Is it's going to move to Oklahoma City International. <laughs> you can imagine all these people coming from Europe and Asia and be like, "Why are we going to Oklahoma City? <laughs> <laughs> this, is, this, this isn't a fun town." Key um, Arena, not just for Nirvana concerts anymore. <laughs> uh, all right, so. I think that's all people could probably stomach on video game talk for now. We can get back to these first round series. Yeah. Um, and maybe in the interest of getting to some of our other topics, we can just go through real quick and then we'll be able to kind of talk retrospectively on the first round series with some other topics. What um, do we got left here? Just Yeah. We got Jazz and Clippers. It's not over yet. Yeah. that's So, yeah, we can kind of pause on that for now. Yeah. Um, they will play game. They are playing game seven as we record this. When you were listening to this, that game will be over. One would imagine that we would be watching that on the, have that on the TV while we record it. Instead, we have yeah. this video game post game, uh, but too late. Yes. <laughs> um, Rockets versus Thunder. Um, so Rockets ended up winning in five, which I correctly predicted. Um, yeah, Russell Westbrook shot the ball. Many times he did. I had many. predicted seven games for this series because I would. Did. I thought that he would shoot the ball many times and it would make his team win three yeah. times out of seven. Yeah, and I think <laughs> it's in another scenario they could have. Well, in another scenario, more of his shots could have gone in, but he took a lot of really bad shots. So I think this was probably a decent like median outcome for number of shots that they also did really bad when he was not on the floor that is true mostly um, i know this because i've seen clips of him getting angry when people were asking him about that and yes. saying that like yeah it doesn't matter that i'm we're talking about the team it's my fault too like sort of yeah yeah he just was getting really frustrated in some of these post-game interviews yeah um yeah he cut off there was a question for steven adams about how the team 
like plays worse without Russell on the floor, and he just interrupted. Uh, but yeah, it's also like, yeah, that that's that's a true thing. It's, it's okay for reporters to ask questions about that. Um, <laughs> My favorite post game interview question one was the pop one where they asked about uh, Mike Conley. Did you see this? Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, that was really good. Um, yeah, they they asked them. The the coach of the Spurs, Greg Popovich, is notorious for not being interested in talking to the media and giving a lot of, um, I don't know, there's a word, mean answers. Uh, I would answers. say pithy, but that's yeah, like, pithy. It's, but okay. it's a little, it's meaner than that, though. It's yeah. like with a little bit of like, you know, stop yeah. bothering me. He just seems aggravated Cr- all the time. Cr- yeah, he's crotchety. Like, yeah. Yeah. Crotchety. There we go. Yeah. Nice work team. Um. But, but they asked him, so the Memphis Grizzlies, so the Spurs play the Grizzlies, their best player, uh, the Grizzlies' best player is Mike Conley, and or Marcus Gasol, but I would say Mike Conley. Um, and, and a reporter asked about Mike Conley's play and how well he did and et cetera, et cetera. And Popovich spoke for like 45 seconds talking about how great Mike Conley was and how he's developed as a player. Uh <laughs> And then later in the press conference, someone asked a, a question space like, can you talk to me about how good Mike Conley played? <laughs> and he just was like cold, cold blooded. Like, did you, did you just get here? <laughs> and then, and I don't know what the guy said, but he's like, why don't you just get with this guy and yeah. exchange notes? He actually just pointed to the guy he had, who had asked the other question. He says, hey, you, can you share your notes with him? Cause like, <laughs> yeah. Definitely, yeah. Just like, <laughs> I wonder how that would fare in like teacher as a teaching style. You know, mm. if a if a student asks a question that they clearly would have known the answer to if they were paying attention, um, I imagine you wouldn't want to embarrass them like Greg Popovich uh, embarrassed the reporter who asked the second question. Mm. But it might be a useful tool instead of answering them to encourage them to collaborate with their classmate. Interesting. On the, on getting the answer to the question that was already answered. I think we should get Greg Pop Seaver, our teaching Greg expert, yes. to uh, give us a little... Yeah, we could ask, you know, what's yeah. his strategy when a student isn't paying attention? Yeah, yeah. Which never happens in Mr. Seaver's classroom. Everyone's engaged. Everyone has uh, is tracking. 100% attention. Smart. Yeah. I think that's a, a technique in Teach Like a Champion. He's positive narration. Yeah. Um, institute. <laughs> I think you're doing a really good job talking about how Greg Seaver teaches class court. Thanks, Ray. I got po- I got like meta positively narrated the other day. Oh, yeah. it was. We tried to meta positively narrate because we were talking about how Stefan made a really nice... Um, metal like line for the passion fruit to grow up on the porch oh, nice. and and carrie really complimented him on his work on that and then i complimented her on her compliment mm, of that wow lots of yeah. positive things so happening at Durgeon really meta meta compliments there yeah it's nice um that is nice gardening update passion fruits yeah actually so we could talk about these two series um all of the the three main MVP candidates were involved in the Rockets versus Thunder or the Spurs versus Grizzlies series, and so we could talk about this series in light of the MVP conversation. Um, ultimately, I think I would say with Russell, he he 
in a sense, he played really well. He accumulated a lot of statistics. Uh, he had a lot to do with his team being able to win one game. Um, but I think the his weaknesses were highlighted. Um, he took a lot of bad shots. He converted on a low percentage of his shots. Um, and the team, like, his supporting cast, we had an argument last time about supporting cast. Right. Um, and Ray had a pretty dumb position. Yeah, yeah. Apparently had a dumb position. Um, uh, and I think probably going back to that, his supporting cast is, I would prefer the Rockets supporting cast to... So I would prefer the Rockets, Sands, Harden, to the Thunder, Sands, Westbrook. Um, right. But I think the argument is more that that who how Harden and Westbrook play factors into how well their teammates play. Specifically, if they play and get their teammates involved, uh, they're more likely to be you know contributors, consistent contributors on offense. I think Harden plays in such a way that makes players better um, by involving them in the offense. Uh, And Westbrook largely does not. Um, And so I think the Thunder supporting cast did not play that well. um, But I think if they had more practice in the regular season of playing and like generating offense and being more of a part of an offensive system instead of like the guy that gets the ball in the last six seconds of the the shot clock when Russell can't get a shot, um, then I think that they they would just be a better team overall, basically. And actually, Russell had some games where he was really distributing the ball, and it's like, yeah, like these guys can play better, they can contribute more, they can have a more cohesive, efficient offense. Um, but then he had like a, I don't know, a fourth quarter where he took 18 shots or something and made you know, four or something like that. Um, and they're just dreadful shots. So yeah. I don't know. That's, I think, I think that highlights a lot of the, a lot of the issues that people like myself had with Westbrook were highlighted in this series. Do you think that some of the like stats fail us on that as well? Like we looked at like the wind shares or something for both rosters. I think last episode when we were talking about the MVP and like Ariza and somebody else were like higher than Stephen Adams, who was the highest non-Harden, non-Westbrook players on Rockets and on the on the Rockets and on the Thunder. Do you think like Stephen Adams uh, could have like a higher win shares if Russell Westbrook like put him in better situations or something? Like, does it accurately account for the fact that maybe he's getting these like shitty dump offs at the end? Yes, I think I think there's I think there's totally truth to that and. I actually like Steven Adams, I think is the best example of this. There's a lot of Steven Adams does not have a lot of offensive talent. He cannot take the ball and generate offense. He's not a good shooter. You don't want to give him the ball in the post, but he is a large, strong athletic man. And those types of players who don't have a lot of offensive skill have been really good offensive players when they play with point guards that get them involved, like Tyson Chandler. Um, you know, Clint Capella, Rudy Gobert this year. Yeah. Yeah. Um, they're these guys and basically they just set good screens. They dive to the basket and they're an offensive force that way. And I don't think, I think if Russell was like, I'm going to 
get Steven involved every game, then he would be a better offensive player. So I think his win shares definitely were reflected in the fact that like Russ wasn't trying to feed him. Um, but I think he could be a vicious role guy if that was what they dedicated. To. And, and even just like, you know, when you're rolling to the basket, even if you don't get the ball, um, but you're kind of engaged and like anticipating getting the ball, you're in a good position to get the offensive rebound if a shot goes up and it gets missed, you know, mm-hmm. um, which he's also very good at getting offensive rebounds. So not that that's yeah. That's a that's a part of the argument. And it's also like, why would you put a shooter on the floor? Everybody talks about the Thunder not having spacing, but they had Ursan Ilyasova at the beginning of the year. They trade him away. They got Doug McDermott, who's not great, but he can shoot the basketball. And so I think when you think about the way Russell plays, if teams, you want shooters on the floor because the other team has to defend them, and that creates more space. But if the other team knows that Russell isn't going to pass the ball to the shooter that much, then they might not defend them as much as they would in the case of like Harden, where they know if they creep off the the three-point shooter that they're going to get the ball. Um, all that to say, I think there's like a lot of chicken in the egg with like, how good is your supporting cast versus, you know, um, how good do you make them? And Russell does not seem to do the things that makes his teammates better. Mm-hmm. It, okay yeah well it seems like at least that series uh is in agreement with that argument i mean based on the outcome there yeah. small sample size but <laughs> small sample size for sure i mean russell tried to get that sample size as large as he <laughs> take uh, that for data yeah <laughs> um but then the other and and harden harden also played poorly in this series he might have an ankle issue or something but I mean, he played poorly for his standards. Right. He kind of got by by getting to the free throw a bunch, but he wasn't shooting or like creating like he was when he was really rolling this this season. Which, which is a good. I mean, the 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 fact that the Rockets could win five games with that is saying something. So yeah. Um. You let's move on to the Spurs one real quick there. With I mean, we talked a little bit about Pop, a little bit. You know, Mike Conley played well. Uh, do you want to give like your Kawhi argument or anything there? Well, actually, let's start with. Uh, do you want to talk about any kind of notable observations you had from the series or really good oh, yeah. plays? I watched. I watched some of the series. Yes, <laughs> they know the Spurs have a big national draw. Uh, I watched the end of that overtime game, which was pretty sweet. Kawhi Leonard is awesome. Uh, just like he does it, it, like your argument before, but to see him to see somebody perform like at a really high level on both ends of the floor is kind of like refreshing. Like at the, they were down at this overtime and he like hit this three on one end and then goes to the other end and he's like on defense and he just like willed the ball to like, to like rip it out of the Memphis player. I can't remember which Memphis player it was, but like right as the, um, whoever he was guarding got it, he just like ripped it out of his hands and like had the fast break there. You're yeah. like, wow, that guy's good at basketball. Yeah. <laughs> that was crazy. I was, I was watching that and I just, Sometimes I yell when I watch sports, uh, and I yelled at that play. It's just astounding. Um, Which then, and uh, I picked the Spurs. What I picked them in five in that one. No, I picked them to sweep. You picked the sweep. Yeah, <laughs> that was kind of an irrational pick them to sweep because uh, I have a lot of Spurs gear for some reason that I've collected throughout my uh, time. Mm-hmm. Which started with a David Robinson jersey that uh, Mr. Brian Smith, uh, my friend at UVA 
gifted me at a UVA football tailgate one time. Uh, and there it just grew, uh, you know, it's kind of like magnetism or something. You have the Spurs gear and it attracts more Spurs gear. Joel, pick and Joel gifted me a Spurs, uh, sort of track jacket. Uh, and then also gifted me a, a pair of David Robinson socks. So, and then, then people see me wearing these items and, and now people, at least one woman who works on the same floor as me in my office thinks that I'm a huge Spurs fan. She is a I think that she's a big Cavaliers fan, but she has an actual like life-size cutout, cardboard cutout of LeBron James in her office. Uh, so I think that's slightly higher fanhood than me, which is also kind of like sometimes you'll be walking by the office and you you just get a little confused or something. You just are, what, LeBron James is here to meet with the Louisiana Office of Public Health Budget Division? <laughs> Sadly, not the case. Uh, uh, anyway, that game they ended up losing. Uh, Marcus all hit a game winner, which was sweet. Uh, yeah, it was a crazy shot. Marcus all, yeah, it was super rainbow running floater. Yeah, running floater. Was... And Marcus all is also kind of awesome at passing. Yes. But what's the, the Conley's good too. The rest of the team, yeah, kinda... the rest of the team's pretty. I mean, Vince Carter is amazing. Uh, he's forty years old and still. <laughs> being really good at basketball um and just like like kind of just super athletic plays still will rise up for these dunks and you're just like man how does he do that um yeah so yeah james ennis actually played really he tony allen got hurt so james ennis ended up guarding Kawhi a lot and um oh yeah he had some nice plays yeah yeah but yeah it's a tough matchup you know like even when you get like Kawhi could still get a pretty good line, and you still would have done a good job defending him if you hold him from. Yeah, but he did have a few games where he really <laughs> Kawhi really had some big point totals. And yeah, um, efficient as well. Yes, um, yeah, Kawhi was just he was. Yeah, Court said it, but he was just incredible. He, he's. It's weird. The Spurs used to be a team that really was known for having this offensive system that didn't. Um, highlight any one player really that there's just a lot of passing a lot of um a lot of nice actions to get people open um and the players were more interchangeable um and as opposed to isolation basketball uh where it's you're really one guy doing a lot of the work um and it's morphing with Kawhi. it's morphing into this isolation basketball he just honestly takes the ball a lot of times and gets a shot uh, and he's able to do that and keep a really high shooting percentage. Um, and we saw a lot of that series is just pretty remarkable. So it would lead me to make the statement that I think Kawhi is actually a better offensive basketball player than Russell Westbrook. He's definitely a worse passer. Um, but when you account for his efficiency and just being a better shooter, um, and I think, yes, being able to create his own shot, um, more efficiently than Russell, I would I would argue uh, that he's a better offensive player, um, and we will see what he can do in round two. Uh, so I think we kind of got to all of the round one series there. Oh, yeah. Joel got that one right too. So oh yeah, shout out to Joel. Joel got Spurs and Getting six things right, being better than us. Congrats, Joel Sherman. Yeah, that's why we didn't invite you on this time. <laughs> <laughs> um. So yeah, we talked about the first round series. We got our little life update. What have we been consuming lately? Uh, or at least we talked about how we watched some video games here, uh, which is, you know, we 
I've done more than just watch video games recently. <laughs> I read a New York article about edible marijuana. Oh, yeah? Yeah. What were the takeaways? It was kind of like, uh, I just read this this morning, and it was about this one woman who started this company that's like, it's marketing edible marijuana and sort of like the way wine is marketed, mm. where it's like, oh, like, this is fancy, and like, here, it's like in this oil that you like put on your like, you know pesto and then it's like savory stuff not just pot brownies anymore um and then they're like trying to get this whole like industry around it of like you know like wine tastings or something where like people like oh try this and it was all in oregon where it's like legal like and i guess yes it's legal in oregon in some manner um and then it was kind of contrasting she kind of pretended to be on the approach of like the like uh small business side of things mm. like mom and pop a little bit like you know and then she was like worried about like these i banker like these you know venture capitalists coming in and being like oh there's money to be made here and like they're not in it for like the love of getting high they're in it for like getting that kush and by the kush i mean money in this case yes um yeah. And then also like the Philip Morrises of the world that would just like totally regulate the hell out of it and then like, you know, mass produce. Yeah. Yes. Um, that's interesting. Um, in the NFL, marijuana was also a recent topic of conversation. For some reason, Goodell was asked about it or the commissioner of the NFL made a statement, you know, really being you know, condemning its use. Um all the while they're dealing with this rampant uh, pain medication, um, you know, over like they, they had this report that this scathing report that talked about how much uh, NFL players should be giving pain medication um, and how it's, you know, leading to addictions. And these are obviously much more powerful and uh, harmful drugs than marijuana. Um, and so it's just kind of ridiculous, but yeah, um, makes me sad somewhat hypocritical yeah a lot of money in those opioids i mean that's kind of uh, that's the root of it i think yeah uh which also just not in the nfl but in general populace as well yeah yeah it's crazy it's crazy that you could just you know play in the nfl and these guys are getting beat up super hard and just in a lot of pain it's like all right here's a bunch of vicodin which is probably a reasonable prescription for the amount of pain that they're dealing with right um and then, you know, a guy gets suspended for eight games for smoking marijuana. It's yeah. It's like, what, you know, <laughs> doesn't it really make any sense. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Anyway, that was that was an article I read recently. What about you, Ray? We have a quick. Uh, um, yeah, I would say, um, yeah, one of the one of the articles I've enjoyed most that I've read in a very long time um, was written by Dion Waiters for the Play on, uh, Players Tribune came out this week. Uh Dion Waiters is a, he was, I think, the sixth draft pick a couple of years ago. He's a athletic dude, uh, athletic wing that can shoot, um, and a very confident fellow. Um, and he had been associated with, quote-unquote, character issues since he's come into the league. Um, and we probably don't have time to get into that, but I would just say, the way that character issues are applied to players seems to be uh, flawed in a lot of ways. Um, anyhow, he uh, he didn't he hasn't really reached his potential, um, and he's just his confidence really shows on the court. He kind of calls for the ball a lot. Uh, 
This was particularly notable when he was playing uh, with Durant and Westbrook in Oklahoma City, and they would be they're really good players, and he would be standing in the corner like jumping up and down, giving me the ball. Um, and everybody's like, no, you you know, there would be all these, uh, things floating around YouTube. Uh, and people would laugh at it a lot. Um, basic. And also then there was people that kind of were like, we're absolutely still, you know, he would show flashes and he would be great. And there would be a bunch of players uh, or prominent writers who would kind of say, you know, I'm still with the on waiters. They described this by saying that they were still on waiters Island. Um, and then Dion, uh, Dion Waiters played really well this year for the Miami Heat. Uh, at the start of the season, his value was at a nadir. He ended up taking a really kind of cheap contract to play with the Heat. Um, and basically, he played really well. It was a surprise. It was part of a the Miami Heat overall being a surprise. And he had some crazy clutch performances. Um, but anyhow, he wrote an article for the Players' Tribune. Uh, that I really enjoyed. He's also from Philadelphia, and he just kind of talked about growing up, and he talked about how people perceive him and his attitude and how, I would say, basically, maybe his point was, like, you have to have this type of attitude to have any shot to get to the NBA. Like, you have to, like, he's like, yeah, I believe that I'm the best, and if I didn't believe I was the best, then I would have no shot to ever get here. And then he talked about growing up and kind of challenges he faced and the um yeah uh how he feels fortunate to have um made it to the nba all i I thought it was just a very honest genuine uh piece that shed a lot of light onto a very interesting uh player um and both i think makes made me like empathize for him and maybe understand him more would you, yeah, would you say that following him, you were sort of aware of his side of the story, like his upbringing and stuff, or was it more like uh, you generally like knew that he was from Philadelphia and you were like, oh, maybe he was at tough times, but maybe you didn't know exactly? Or yeah, I think with most of these guys, I didn't, I didn't know much about his personal story. Um, I knew, I knew that he grew up in Philly. Um, and I think with a lot of these guys that come into the league and they're they're branded with these character issues, I whether or not I know anything about them, I um, I think there's a decent chance that they've likely had a tough go at things uh, and that they've had to overcome a lot of obstacles to just even get into the NBA. Right. Um, so I didn't know anything specifically about him, but it, it kind of it didn't surprise me uh, that he, you know, the challenges that he described. Right. So. Uh, I've read the article as well on Ray's recommendation. So, uh, yeah, I don't. Uh, Ray has better things to say about it than me, but I would thank you for sending it my way, Ray. For sure, for sure. Um, it did help me. Like, I didn't, I didn't know that he was from Philadelphia or anything, even. And like, similarly, like, you know, I don't really know anything about Demarcus Cousins other than he was from like Mobile, Alabama. But like, you know, whenever he's like mad on the court, I'm like, whatever. Like people need to get off their like high horse about all this like behavior stuff. Like, yeah, people think that. Yeah. And and if you like actually like listen to somebody a little bit, you can get a little bit better, like understanding where they're coming from. Yeah. And you're like, oh, and that, that I appreciated this article for that reason. Like, oh, like here's him telling his story. Now I kind of get it. Like, that's why he's so like, give me the ball. I want it. Like, yeah, that was what he needed to 
to survive and thrive as you know a, a good player yeah. a player on his way to making the nba yeah showing his stuff yes um so yeah check out if you're going to read a sports article uh i would recommend that one um all right so we have a tiny bit of time here probably for some second round uh series predictions and overview you want to do that yeah let's do it um all right so um let's start with the warriors no let's not start with the warriors (laughs) that one yeah um let's start Let's start with the Rockets and Spurs. What do you okay, think that's good because we were just talking about this series, yes. the previous series, and so um, I put the uh, Spurs and six on this one. What about you? Um, I also picked the Spurs and six. So, oh man! Um, Are you... No, no, no! I didn't. I'm sorry. I picked the Spurs and seven. Oh, um, this is yeah, yeah. This is one where we disagree. Unfortunately, so <laughs> I'm gonna call you dumb, and you're gonna call me dumb. Yeah, this is how it works, right? Right. I'm dumb. I'm you s- dumb. Ah, too. got you. You're dumb. Okay. Oh, okay. That's the Bugs Bunny trick. I can't <laughs> believe you just fell for the Bugs Bunny trick. <laughs> um, so, let's see. I think I, I think this series is. I think both of these teams underperformed in round one. Um, the Spurs did not inspire a lot of confidence against the Grizzlies, and I think. The Rockets played fine, but like I said, Harden wasn't that good, and they didn't shoot the three that well. Um, and I would say that their their victory had as much to do with Oklahoma City not being that good as it had to do with them being good. Um, which isn't so. If one of these teams had looked good, really good, I think I would be confidently picking them. But mm-hmm. because that didn't happen, I sort of just defaulted to Greg Popovich is the best coach in the league, in my opinion. And Kawhi Leonard is definitely, I, I strongly believe, the best player in the series. Harden might be hurt. Um, and that pretty much led me to pick the Spurs in seven in a close series. Mm-hmm. Because I don't, I don't think much. And even the Spurs won in the main round with unexpected, really good performances from Tony Parker. And by the main um, round, you mean the first round. The first round. Yes. Something of yeah, Ray has said this a couple of times. Something about the first round. Ray loves to call it the main round. No, I'll just I'll just say it. So um and I work on uh the, oh, nice. uh New Orleans uh school enrollment system. Uh and I'll, so we officially brand the first round of our application, uh which concluded at the end of February. Um as the main round um <laughs> this in, makes so much sense now in the system though the application record types are called round one nice um and so i think my brain has built like a little switch yeah a little neural to, like, pathway turn there. round one into the main round yeah and this is actually something that i would call it round one for a while and like my other team members would be like, no, we have to make sure to like consistently message it as the main round. Gotcha. And so I had to kind of do that. And so I think that's what I'm doing in this case. Right. Which but, is I- uh, kind of ironic because the first round is like generally, you know, yeah, like the, the least, less yeah. exciting one, as yes. we have it inspired like super boring picks that we almost got all of them right, other yes. than game length. Yes. Um, 
clearly you have a better shot than me of getting it right uh or you have a good shot of getting it right because definitely not going to be spurs and six because that's what i picked uh similar reasons for you i think that the spurs better team popovich great coach uh it's going to be a lot of free throws i mm-hmm. think sadly harden, spurs are really good at free throws. yeah harden is also a master of like getting the calls Kawhi also gets a lot of calls yes and, and you know like they they do it in ways that make sense they're both very good at that and um but i think yeah and i do worry that like in my like oh nba is like professional wrestling it's all rigged that like the rockets are a better setup to like the warriors mm-hmm. as far as like people always talk about the rockets heel turn and then uh, you know on these message boards they type like what was the guy in wrestling that always like by god he's got the i never watched i mean all bear no, no, the the announcer who always oh. would be like, he's got the gym. And it, whenever the guy fell off the the Undertaker, did the thing where he like knocked the guy off the roof. You're out of my league. Yeah. Anyway, this guy was like, you know, he's like the classic like professional wrestler, like way like over, you know, hyperbolic, hyperbolic, mm-hmm. like announcer. And so like, and the heel turn is common in wrestling. That's where like you had a wrestler who's like the good guy and then all of a sudden they like turn out to be like the bad guys. And I feel like they're, it's kind of a, um, almost a cliche at this point that the Rockets are like the bad guys and mm-hmm. James Harden just like, seems like he's fine playing that role. And that in my mind of like, Oh, maybe the NBA is faked that like they would be a really good Western conference finals ratings wise. If mm-hmm. uh, the Warriors were playing against this like sort of heel turn yeah. Rockets. But on the other hand, of the other side of things, the Spurs are a very nationally popular team because yeah. they are so successful, uh, also very well liked. So yeah. that cool. would be, yeah. I, I imagine in a weird way, maybe that a matchup in the Western Conference Finals would draw bigger ratings. I don't yeah. know. I think the NBA also has a vested interest in Kawhi's star continuing to grow and mm-hmm. more people being like, here's, you know, among Harden, Westbrook. I mean, basically among the top 10 players in the league, Kawhi is like the least, I think, known. Certainly among Durant, Steph, Harden, Westbrook, LeBron, Kawhi is like the least kind of visible star. Embiid, yeah. Um, Don't worry. (laughs) Joe Harris. Joe Harris. Um, (laughs) So, okay. So those are our predictions for that series. I think that's going to be, I think that's going to be a super interesting series. Yeah, that's the most interesting interesting one to me. Yeah. As far as like a viewer. Um, yes. Um, so we can go to the Cavs and the Raptors. Um, we talked about their series wrap-ups before. What What's do you your think? prediction for this one? My prediction for this one is Cavaliers in six games. Um, this is... I would have really liked... If the Raptors had played better... The Raptors had won in four or five games and just played really well against the Bucks. I would have thought long and hard about an upset pick, uh, the Raptors. I think the Cavs are beatable. I just, the way that the Raptors played in the main, in the first round, uh, <laughs> nice catch did not inspire confidence in me and their ability to beat the Cavaliers. And so I think it is possible, but the Cavs are just better. I think, honestly, even if the Cavs don't play really good defense, which I think they probably won't, I think they're just going to outscore the Raptors, and they, they have the firepower to do it. So Yeah. I also picked uh, Cavaliers in six. So 
I can't huge disagreement, but I can't. Yeah, we can't. I can be like, it's going to be funny when you're at work tomorrow and you catch yourself saying main round and say first round. And then your (laughs) colleagues are like, oh, Ray, (laughs) I don't know what your meetings are like. I don't think anybody in one of my meetings at work would sound like that. But (laughs) yeah, that's that's Ray's coworker voice now. Oh, Ray. To be fair to all of Ray's coworkers that might listen to this, or none of them sound like that. Amy or Holly or Golan. I don't know who works with you. <laughs> yes, no, those are those are good examples. Alvin, yeah. Um. Um. So yeah, that's. Uh, I don't know what what to look out for in this series. I if the if the Cavaliers play some really good defense, then. I will start to think a lot better about them. I, at this point, I don't really think they have any shot to beat the Warriors unless multiple of the Warriors' best players get hurt. Um, but that's kind of what I'll probably be if I'm watching these games or when I'm watching these games, I'll be trying to see how the Cavs are playing defense. And among, yeah, that's that's probably what's most interesting about the series. And it'll be... Kyle, I'm interested to see Kyle Lowry and DeRozan and the Raptors in general if they can just put on a better showing than they have in years past where, you know, they really didn't have a shot to beat the Cavs. Player of interest in this series. My pick, Serge Ibaka. Mm, why? Because uh, he's the different guy from last time they played. Yes. And he's a really, I mean, he's a nice, you know, when the Cavs, he's a really nice player for them against the Cavs because... He can shoot a little bit. He can stretch the floor. He can still block shots. If they play with like Channing Fry at center, he can guard him. He has enough lateral quickness and length to do that. He's a. I think he is a good player to watch in the series. Yeah. Oh man, Serge Ibaka versus Channing Fry. Yes. <laughs> Get your popcorn we've all ready. Been waiting for. <laughs> um, all right. And then we can move on to the the game one we just watched between. The Celtics and the Washington Wizards. Okay. Um, but we have my prediction here was pre this game fit yes, wrapping up. The Celtics mine. did win, but I also had the Celtics winning the series six in six games. Okay. And I had the Celtics winning in seven games. Oh, really? I thought we had the same on this one too. I thought we picked the it's same possible. on possible. I'd have to I'll have to check. Okay. Um, I that's think, better I think that I we pick, No, I think I picked Celtics in seven. Oh, yeah. nice. Yeah, so well, I'm obviously right. Everybody else is wrong, especially Joel Sherman. That means Whatever you think, he predicted, unless he predicted Celtics in seven. That means you think it's going to go three and three from here on out. I do. Yeah, and I still feel okay about that. I mean, the home but not team just winning three game and three. one. Yeah, it can't go three and three where the Celtics win three before the Wizards win. <laughs> yes. <laughs> if it does go three... Wait. <laughs> Well, if it does go three and three, this isn't the main round means, anymore, Ray. <laughs> that means the last game would have had to have happened, <laughs> so it wouldn't matter the order, right? Yeah, I don't know. Temporal, it's a really temporal paradox here. <laughs> um, we need to get Andrew on to talk about the room requirement Harry Potter thing. Oh yeah, um, the wizards. Um, so yeah, this will be. I think this is a. What I think is interesting about the series is um, really how the matchups work out. Isaiah Thomas is the offensive generator for the Celtics. He is also like five foot six and bad at defense. And the Wizards happen to have two really good offensive guards, John Wall and Bradley Beal. Um, so 
you know, coming into this series, I was concerned about how the Celtics were going to be able to defend Wall and Beal with Isaiah Thomas on the floor. Um, they did it well enough today to beat them by 15 points or something like that. Um, so it's, I don't, but overall on the course of the series, I still think that the Wizards are going to be able to exploit Isaiah. I think the Wizards should, you know, have, you know, win the rebounding battle most games. Um, if the Celtics aren't shooting the three that well, I think they shot it pretty well today. Uh, that will be a big, a big thing. Um, so I, I, mean, I, I yeah. still can see it going seven games. Yeah, for sure. I mean, Jay Crowder, you can't expect him to shoot the way he shot. Like, what did he shoot? Like seventy five percent. At one point, he had hit he was six for eight from three. So yeah, yeah, that's you know that's really good. <laughs> um, and Isaiah started off three for three. Yeah, even though he shot poorly from three in the first round. Um. So yeah, I know well, that it hurts cool. you to even have picked the Celtics. It does. It's Actually, also funny because you had the Wizards as your like you know surprise conference finalist. Yeah, I went. I just went. I wanted to pick the Wizards. Basically, if enough of the basketball analysts that I read and listen to gave me reason to pick the Wizards, I was going to. But most of them were just kind of like the Celtics are a better team, and I think that that's right. But I want it to pick the Wizards because I want it that to be the answer, and I also want it to root for the Celtics to lose, mm. um, which I still might do anyway. But here's my methodology, and granted, you should still listen to the podcast, listeners, because Ray has like legitimate methodology that he just described. But I came home after a square dance, and I was like, "Oh shoot, I got to submit my picks for this thing." Uh, and I was like, oh, I'm just going to pick whoever 538 says is the favorite. I'm going to pick six games for all of them unless it like says that they're going to win by a lot. And so that's what I did for these three series. But not for our final series. Not for Do we have any more series. Wizards thoughts? Do we throw, throw our listeners a bone here? Because a lot of them like the Wizards for some reason or the other. I think we just got to give uh, Brasher a shout out. His uh, Gortat for MVP Vic is looking pretty strong. Yeah, he had a real nice one where he just crushed Isaiah Thomas. <laughs> on, he got pushed, but he just made no effort to not like run Isaiah Thomas over, which is pretty yeah. funny. Oh, and we should, uh, Isaiah's teeth, uh, there's a play <laughs> yeah. where Isaiah caught, it wasn't like even a vicious elbow, it just was a kind of Stray incidental arm. elbow yeah. um, into Isaiah Thomas's mouth, and his tooth fell out. Just dropped like right on the ground and he kind of casually just like picked it up and took it over to the bench. Yes. And then I think he came back in the game then. And then later he came out so that they could put a doctor, put his tooth back in. Yeah. Which is weird because I I feel like a dentist should put your tooth back in. I agree with that. And do you think they have team dentists on NBA teams? Probably not, right? Probably not. No. Yeah. Yeah. Or if they did, you think all the players would probably be wearing mouth guards. Right, you know? or keeping their mouth guard in more often than just chewing yeah. on it. Like a <laughs> got to yeah. get my Steph Curry dig in here. Um, also, I don't really know. I know. I feel like I know a lot of doctors or like you know otherwise advanced practice practic- practitioners. Uh, yeah. But I don't know any dentists. I think. Yeah. Other than my dentist, shout out to Doctor Trip. At seven o'clock dental, they're open till seven o'clock, so you can make an appointment after work if you want. <laughs> yes. Um, Shout out to Pachamama's Pantry. <laughs> yes. Our uh-huh. actual sponsor. We are not sponsored by Seven O'clock Dental, <laughs> <laughs> unless they wanted to. If you're listening, Doctor yeah. Trip. Yeah. Um, 
I mean, do we are we advocates of dental hygiene? Um, probably more so than some of our friends. Probably less to uh, me personally. Probably less so than some of my friends. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm about neutral. it. I'm just. It doesn't need to be the focus pe- of my life. Yeah, some people are just super passionate about it, and it's yeah. kind of like, all right, do your thing. Brush your teeth as much you want. Floss as much you want. Yeah, I'm gonna do me. Like, know? do you have an electric toothbrush? I don't. I did at one point. Yeah, do you I have had one? I had one when I was in high school, but it wasn't like a fancy one. But yeah, I feel like it's just you can still brush the same pattern. You just have to do it manually. Like yeah, I think actually the thing is, I think I probably brush my teeth too hard. Mm. Um, and so maybe it would be helpful for me to have an electric toothbrush. Um, you know, I I think I've gotten that feedback from a dental professional before. Gotcha. Um, yeah, mine. I, they're just giving me a lot of compliments over at Dr. Tripp's office. It's like kind of a little nerve wracking. You're like, well, what's the deal? Are they just trying to get on my good side so I keep making appointments? Or Yeah. Yeah, that's an interesting because they used to, I, I used to have braces. Did you have braces? Never had braces. I had braces. And after I got my braces, and I think this is common, they told me to wear a retainer. And they, I think they tell you to basically wear it forever um, or at least a very long time. And I basically never wore it. Mm. Um and and i think i was only supposed to wear it at night and i just never did it and i would go in for checkups and i don't even know if they would ask me i i, I probably didn't lie but they would be like you're doing a great job wearing your retainer <laughs> i was like there's a hundred percent chance i'm not gonna wear that retainer in light of that because if you think that i'm doing a good job wearing it then i don't need it yeah um so yeah it's a strange profession it Dentistry. is and or there's a lot of money in orthodontics yeah Maybe we should read a good New Yorker article on that or something and then discuss that. Yeah, next time, probably. Because we still have one more series to talk about here. Okay. We're going a little long on time, I guess. We want to respect our <laughs> listeners' time. Uh, I know that some listeners love the segments about dentistry. Some of them love the segments about video games. Most of them love the segments about playoff games. Actually, well, who knows? Who knows? But we have one more second round series to talk about, and that's the Warriors versus whoever they end up playing. Which is likely... So right now, as we speak, there is 300... 300, Two minutes and 53 seconds left in the third quarter (laughs) of Game 7 between the Clippers and the Jazz. And the Jazz are winning by 18 points. So it is very likely going to be the Jazz versus um, the Warriors, which... I I enjoy watching the Jazz more than the Clippers, so the spectator in me is excited about that. Freaking um, Joel. But, <laughs> yeah, the freaking Joel in me is upset about that because that means my prediction would be wrong. Uh, it would also be wrong in this other uh, contest that me and Portland are doing. Um, so that kind of bums me out. But, nonetheless, it looks like the Jazz are going to win. And good work, Joel. That's good for them. Utah's, I, I've, I've, uh, I like Salt Lake City. It's a good place. Okay. Um, I think, okay, and we talked about this a little bit earlier uh, while we were watching the games, but um, the because of Blake Griffin's injury, maybe just more of Clippers' general disrepair, but uh, Utah has a higher chance of picking a game off of Golden State. We agreed. Uh, I agreed with that enough to say that I'm going to take Golden State in five. I think that Utah is going to grab one off of them. That's and my bold prediction. I am really torn, um, and in our contest, we'll have more time to figure this out. I'm not actually sure what I'm going to put. Okay, but I also right am now, not sure what I'm going to put in yeah. the contest either. Because for right now, I'm going to go Warriors and four uh, sweep again. I just think 
they're just so good. Yeah. I think I'm going to be like, you know, I think I can just imagine picking the Warriors in five and watching them win the first two games by like 40 points. And then being like, what the heck? Why did I do that? Right. You know, that's what I'm until that's game I'm three thinking. when Rodney Hood goes like six for nine from three. Yeah. And like for some reason, stuff, his shot just isn't falling. Then Gobert like blocks somebody real big down low. Yeah. Yeah. And then JaVale McGee accidentally dunks on the wrong basket or something. I don't know. <laughs> JaVale. JaVale's great. He, his plus minus was awesome in the first round. Uh, it was, like, I think he had the best. I think he had like far and away the best plus minus like per minute or something. Like he was just incredible when the warrior when he was on the floor. Um, man, I love Javale McGee. It makes me happy when he does well. I think he's a great addition to the warrior. I feel like that's a great player for them to have, just yes. in terms of entertainment factor. Yes. Yes. Um. All right. Well. So you you you're going for four this. And I'm gonna go Warriors and four. I just tentative think they're four. so good. Yeah, yeah. Like I could not only see them sweeping, but I could see them winning every game by at least ten points. I think that's fair. You know, that doesn't even feel that crazy. But well, that's uh, I think that's valid. I think it's not a dumb argument. <laughs> yeah. Also, we've been uh, we've been talking for a little bit here, so uh, I think it's probably the wrap. We're gonna wrap it up here. Uh. You have any final thoughts for the today's podcast? Draft lottery. Oh shoot! I forgot days. about no, the draft We don't draft have to lottery. do a segment. We don't have to do a segment. But I just want you all to know it's an important date. Um, it will determine the future of many NBA franchises, and it'll determine where uh, the teams that uh, draft prospects are going to be employed for for the next couple of years. Um, and I am excited about it, and. I hope that the Sixers get lucky and get the first pick in the draft so we can draft Mark Fultz. Best of luck to you. Thank you. I'll be probably watching it with you, maybe, yeah. depending on what time it is. <laughs> yes. And if I feel good that day or, you know, a lot of th- I'll, I'll yeah. watch it with you. I yeah. promise. Right? Well, I might I might have a little West Bank uh, little event, not event. I might. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> Can't we watch it at the Seahorse or something? <laughs> Or at my um, house. <laughs> so last year I watched the draft lottery on the West Bank because I was weirdly there. Uh, and I was thinking about trying to recreate that magic by watching it at the West Bank on the West Bank again. Mm. You had um, less luck when you watched it at our Fran Street house. I remember that day. Yes, that was not a good that was not a good day. We got the third pick that But who'd day. you take with the third pick? Was that the jaw draft or the MB draft? It was probably the jaw draft. It was probably the jaw draft. Oh, yeah. Draft. So, yeah. That well, was there you go. Yeah. All right. Well, draft lottery. We're looking forward to it. What else are we looking for? Let's do looking forward to things. A, really, a quick segment on, I feel like this would be, a, I'm kind of inspired by Andrew Morissette, a screen, or whatever his nickname was. What are we looking forward to? Burning Mandrew Morissette. Burning Mandrew Morissette. <laughs> I'm looking forward to the fire festival. Speaking of Waiters Island. <laughs> <laughs> um... No, I'm all music fested out. I played at La Harp Fest last night, and that was very uh, yes. nice. I played Cortland. in a little backyard music festival last night. Corlin had a really nice uh, performance last night. I don't know if it was it recorded. Hopefully not. Oh, man. I could not hear myself in the monitors, and then it, my music kept blowing off the music stand because it was mm-hmm. real windy, and I got real flustered. Um, but I believe there, there might be a 20-second video of uh, me playing an original, well, a song written by Josh Dugas and Nick Holiday. Uh 
out there somewhere. I also played some Mountain Goats, a little Woody Guthrie. Little, nice. uh, Can you talk me through your thought process in picking your uh, outfit for the performance? All right. So some people were saying that my shorts were a little short, but it was a pool party, so I had to wear my swimsuit. And I have two swimsuits, one of which is longer than the other. And I couldn't find the one that was longer, and it was time to go. And so I just had to put on these uh, shorts that I bought at Target in... Um, What's the name of that town in California? It was some Target in the oh, middle of yeah. nowhere in California because I lost my swimsuit uh, while I was on my West Coast trip, so I had to get a new one. <laughs> anyway, that's the story of my swimsuit and my outfit. Oh, and I was wearing my Hanson Nirvana shirt where it says it's a picture of the Hanson brothers, and then underneath it says Nirvana. <laughs> Weirdly, no one commented on that shirt at the entire party. It's but, a good uh, shirt. A good shirt. The Australian girl that played afterwards, uh, she said she wanted to play music with me sometime. Nice. So she, she was actually, yeah, she was really good. Uh, and I was, I've been, she played last year too. She uh, is very talented on the piano and has written a lot of good songs, it sounds like. She was also, uh, you know, having a pretty nice time of it when she made that remark. So mm-hmm. I think she was in a jovial spirit. Okay. 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 <laughs> but uh, yeah, you know, maybe some little musical collaborations in the future with neighbors. Sounds great. Sounds great. Um, yeah. So yeah, looking forward. I'm actually going to Portland. Uh, my cousin is graduating from Portland, Lewis, Maine. Portland, Oregon. Going. Portlandia, Portlandia, Portland. Uh, the my cousin's graduating from Lewis and Clark, and the graduation is being held in the historic Portland Rec. Whatever the the old stadium for the Trailblazers is still around. Oh, and the Rose so, Garden. Is it the Rose Garden? No, the Rose Garden is the current one. And so... Well, I think they just called it like the new Rose Garden. Oh, but okay. But I think it was... I think... Yeah. It's... Yeah. It's... Anyway, the place where they won the NBA Finals okay. is where my cousin's going to graduate. So maybe right. I'll give a little recap uh, of what it's like to be in a historic NBA building Yeah. Uh, in next episode of Half Court and Midrange. I feel like a Lois and Clark graduation should be more interesting than a standard graduation. You know, there should be some adventure, some exploration, some discovery. Yeah. Uh, I'm, yeah. I have a lot of thoughts on that one. I probably, (laughs) for the interest of not censoring myself, I'll censor myself now. (laughs) Nice. But you could go a lot of directions with that one. Um, Yeah. So that'll be nice doing that this weekend. What about you? What are we looking forward to? Um, let's see. The draft lottery is probably what I'm looking forward to the most, honestly. <laughs> That's probably what I'm looking forward to the most. Um, any day trips you got going on? You going to the beach? Well, I'll be going up to, uh, so I'll be going up to see the first day of the Shaky Knees Festival in Atlanta. I am looking forward to that. Uh, I will get to see some bands that I haven't seen before that I like a lot, like LCD Sound System and car seat headrest and wolf parade and then my good buddy michael who i hiked across the pacific northwest with will meet me and we will drive back to new orleans and do some hiking and camping along the way so that's probably uh, outside of the draft lottery uh what i'm looking forward to the most nice (laughs) 